Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, June 22nd, 2018, and today, um, imagine that, we're going to be reading from the big book. <clears throat> we are currently on page 76, the uh, third paragraph. It starts, we need more action, and we're going to read one paragraph only. Today's readers, we have Jody E.Q. on the 12 steps, Alexis H. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text, Madeline R., Jeanette S., and Susan H. in the bullpen, warming up. I see her. She's warming up. The reference number for yesterday, which is Thursday, June 21st, for the 7 a.m. meeting, it's 11,568. That's 11568. And for the 10 a.m. Uh, meeting yesterday, Eastern Standard Time, of course. It's 11,570. That's 11570. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. And we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, at a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from uh, compulsive reading can indeed recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So I will now ask Jody E.Q. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, everyone. This is Jody E.Q., gratefully recovering in California. 12 steps of OA, number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. 
Jody, thanks so much. And I will now ask Alexis H. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Alexis. Good morning, Larry. This is Alexis H., a compulsive eater in Michigan. And these are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, accepting matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Past. Alexis, thanks so much. Uh, so here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done uh, sharing, just let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're, we're going to resume our study in the big book, and we are currently on page 76, uh, the third paragraph. It starts, we need more action. And Madeline R. is going to read to us. Madeline, what's all this about action? Good morning. Well, let's see, Larry. Good morning. <laughs> this is Madeline R., a recovered compulsive eater calling from Pennsylvania beginning at paragraph three there on page 76. Now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris 
which has accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. If we haven't the will to do this, we ask until it comes. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. Okay. Um, steps eight and nine are mentioned right here. And for eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So that's the first thing, the list. And then made, a direct, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And like doing the work in the fourth step, I already had myself before I even started that, wondering if I could even work the program to be able to have to figure out who I wronged and how could I have to apologize to some of these people and it wouldn't be fair and I couldn't do it and I wasn't going to do it before I even started. And they are action steps and that's why we take them in order. And it was important for remember that first thing and to take them separately and to realize that one was the list and then the other was the amends and to take them that way. And it was important that I worked with my sponsor at that time too, who we just kept in close contact all the time. And so we took it in easy steps. And the first thing I was, it was suggested for me to do was look through my fourth step. My list was there already. You know, by the time I wrote down my fourth step and looked at my side of the street and cleaned up what I did, everything was written there very clearly. And so I put the names on the list and then I was asked to take them from a list and put them on a three-by-five card. And it was cathartic doing that. You know, I've heard others say, that was ridiculous. I just wrote them down. I just highlighted them in the fourth step. There are many ways to get to the same spot. This was just my way. And then what I was to do is just sit quietly and look at the card or one of them and put a plus or minus on it. Am I willing? Am I unwilling? And then on that card, I also had where I would find them. Did I have a phone number to contact them? Did I have to Google them? Um, were they still alive? That's what I needed to do. And when they were all completed, okay, I needed then to start considering my amends. And if some of them had a minus on there, like I wasn't ready, okay, then I wasn't ready yet. But I am willing to go to any lengths, and I had to keep asking myself that with each one. Was I willing to go to any lengths to be recovered, to stay stopped. And I loved the paragraph because it was very simple. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Did I? We go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. Am I willing? We attempt to clean up our side of the street to the best of our ability and to stop living in self-will. Have I done that? The will to do this, we ask until it comes. I did agree to go to any lengths. The efforts made in this process are life-changing for me. And that's my time, so I'll just wrap quickly by saying, in the quiet time with my higher power, I was directed on how to make the amends. My sponsor asked me, are they truly amends, aren't they? I could say I'm sorry for everything and omit the things where I should have said I was sorry. And some of the amends that I've made have been miraculous, better than I could have ever witnessed and the financial, though difficult, were the easiest. The hardest were the relationship ones. So there's a lot to be said, and I'm glad that we go into this a little bit more and talk about it a little bit further. And I'm going to pass to give somebody time. So thank you, and with that, I'll pass.
Thanks so much, Madeline. Okay, we're going to transition to shares, and we're on page 76, the third paragraph. Who would like to share on what was read? Harlan G. Harlan? Harlan, you have the hour. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody Rich else? Gina Who is that, Rich? Tina? Gina. Yeah, I got Lisa B. Lisa B. Dasta O. Dasta O. And one more. Amy G. from Maryland. Amy G. Okay. So was that Rich after Harlan? Rich, did I did I hear that right? I thought Richard there was a guy. Richard. Okay. Hey, Harlan. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Larry. It's so wonderful to be back amongst the living slowly but surely. I'm Harlan G. I'm a I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in broiling Scottsdale, Arizona. Let's take a look at this paragraph because this paragraph is chock filled with so much. It's first thing that catches my my eye is we need action without which we find that faith without works is dead. This is not the first time I'm going to be told in this book, nor is it the last time that faith without works is dead. This is not a program for people who need it. It's not a program for people who want it. This is a program for people who do it. And the original company that published the book was named by Bill Hank and them works publishing company because of this favorite Bible verse of Ann Smith who was married to Dr. Bob. And let's take a look at, we're looking at steps eight and nine, and we have this list of people we've harmed. We made it when we took our inventory, which is step four. And then what we're going to do here is we're going to go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. Now, this is very important for me to remember. And what's important is that I must have a recovered sponsor because for me to go out there and start making amends with no guidance from a recovered sponsor, I can very oftentimes actually do more harm and create more havoc than was created in the first place. So I must have the guidance of a recovered sponsor. And this is something that is very, very important for me to remember here because, again, when the big book wants me to know something, it doesn't tell it to me once or twice. It tells it to me various ways. On page 58 of the big book in chapter 5, 58, it says here, if you have decided you want what we have, what is it we have? We have people that are not compulsively overeating and are doing so happily and are willing to go to any length to get it, then, dash, new thought, then you are ready to take certain steps. So this is going to be yet another reference, and there's another one coming in this chapter again. This is another reference to what I love to call step zero. If you've decided you want what we have, you're willing to go to any length uh, for victory over alcohol. Now, this is extremely important for me to remember, too, without maybe being conscious of it, without being told about it. What am I doing as I transition into steps eight and nine? And now I'm going to transition into 10 and 11 very soon. But I am turning my life, which is my action, and my will, which is my thinking, over to the care and direction of God. 
this is the specific how and why. This is the specific what. This is what I'm doing to turn my will and my life over to the care and direction of God. And this is where I'm going to transitionalize from a self-willed life to a God-centered life. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Harlan. Glad that guy's back. Okay. (laughs) Hey, Richard, followed by Tina. Richard B., good morning. Good morning, moderator. Sorry, I can't remember your name. I am terrible for names. It's it's Larry. Good top of the morning to you. Hi, Larry. Um, Hi, everyone. This is Richard B., a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Cork, Ireland. And I'm really grateful to be on the line again this morning. Uh, I am here in my quiet place in amongst my plants. And um, I find that um, I need that quiet place, especially actually when this step comes up, because self-will tends to like to come up for me. Um, I suppose really going to the reading, this is the first action step as far as dealing with somebody else. And um, one word that really stands out to me on that page is that we attempt, we attempt to sweep away the debris which, debris which has accumulated. Um, and I have to be careful there not to be full of self-will in going about it when I need to make an amends. And I have made my list, and that's all it was. It was a list. And when I have made that list and I am ready to make amends to somebody and I have three columns, one that says I'm ready now, one maybe, and another one that says never. And I pray that the never one doesn't happen very much. And um, so, yes, I draft my amends on a note and I always run it by my sponsor. And I would echo what the previous speaker said regarding having a recovered sponsor before I take this step. And I'm somebody who always wants to have a sponsor. I have, for a long, long time, I have not been in recovery without a sponsor. And I'm just about to start sponsoring myself, and it's important that I have a sponsor in order to sponsor for me. And so, yeah, um, I run it past my sponsor, and I ask for the strength to make the amends. And the way I do that is I, when I admit that I was wrong, rather than just saying, I'm sorry, I have to make amends and I have to admit I was wrong. And very important is to ask for forgiveness and how to make it right. How can I make it right? And um, that stops it being a bit of a snowflake for me. Um, stops it saying, oh, I'm sorry. And then in the back of my head, there's this, but you were an SOB or something like that. So, yes, um, really grateful to be here. And I haven't really got anything else to say, only that I am on my 30, uh, sorry, my 92nd day of back-to-back abstinence, and I am grateful for that. So I, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Okay, we have Tina followed by Lisa. Good morning, Tina. Hello, Larry. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, you're coming through great. Oh, hi, this is Gina F. in Connecticut. And um, boy, I had quite a different experience 
with steps eight and nine um, when I got serious about my recovery. Um, and it's, you know, I had heard people say how transformative it was, um, and I hadn't experienced that that in the in the times I had done the uh, steps eight and nine in the past when I was kind of in half measures. And well, there was a reason for that because I uh, kind of ducked and avoided the scary ones, the ones that I wasn't completely willing to do. Um, I didn't face those head on, and um, clearly wasn't able to hang on to my recovery. So um, <clears throat> there, you'll hear a lot in uh, the only rooms about you know, praying for willingness, praying for willingness. Well, there's only a couple of places in the big book where it actually mentions praying for willingness. We don't pray for the willingness to be abstinent. We don't pray for the willingness to uh, do steps one through three. Um, It says right here that if we don't have the willingness uh, to approach some people, this is a place where we would pray for the willingness. Um, and the other one is in step six. If there's something that we cling to, we pray for the willingness to let that go. But those are the only two places. And I certainly needed to pray for willingness. I made my list, but um, I was I was terrified to approach certain people. You know, it was all well and good to make, you know, my inventory and share it with somebody who I knew wasn't going to judge me and, um, you know, have my quiet time with God about removing my character defects. But here's where I'm putting the rubber to the road. Here's where I'm taking the action. I have to approach the people who I've harmed and try to make amends to them. And that was very intimidated. I had started freaking out about it when I was in my fourth step. And, um, uh, but I did. I prayed for the willingness. And, and one morning I woke up and it was there. It was given to me. It didn't come from myself. And I did all of my scariest amends all in one day. Got them all done. And that's having that faith that this was the leap of faith um, that brought me nearer to my higher power. This was the most transformative part of my recovery process um, because I, I actually had to take the action that scared me and uh, I had to do it completely on faith um, that this would bring me recovery and that God would be there with me um, and that, uh, you know, the promises would come true so I encourage all of you to to do this step exactly as it's described in this paragraph because there are wonderful things waiting for you on the other side. And um, my last comment is that uh, for me at least, the, the fear that I had about doing certain amends was directly in proportion to the freedom I felt when uh, I had completed it. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Tina. Okay, we have Lisa B. followed by Vasa O. What's going on in Greenville, South Carolina? Hey, Lisa. <laughs> Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Um, my name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and really grateful for your service and for everyone that's here on the line. Um, this step, both of these steps have been so powerful for me. So when I, I wanted to share a few points of my experience. One, when I got to this point, um, I did drag my feet a little bit, and that thick, callous, Skin started to grow over my eyes and my ears and my heart and my soul, 
and you know I started to kind of uh, balk and I'm grateful that my sponsor just reminded me her experience strength and hope which is that we we will pick up you know her experience was that we will pick up if we don't follow through with these steps and you know she started becoming annoying to me and what I had to do is go back and review step two you know because it says here that faith without works is dead I had to look at where am I in my step two? Do I really believe that I'm being restored to sanity? Is God really all or nothing? You know, and I'm in a different place now in step eight and nine, looking back at step two than when I was when I was in step two. I've grown so much and I did gratefully get that little fire under my feet and under my butt. I had to pray for the willingness and I had to pray for my higher power to show me how I have harmed these individuals. How have I harmed these institutions? What is it I need to clearly see here? And only I could see that. Yes, I had insight from my inventory, and my sponsor certainly gave me guidance. But really, it's that connection with my higher power. And there's two special editions. One, May 31st of 2015, is a panel of recovered compulsive overeaters here on the Vision for You website under special editions that talk about Step 8 and 9. Another one more recent that is so powerful and very instrumental is April 15 of 2018 by Ruth M. that's called Repairing the Damage. So powerful, clear-cut directions. And in the interaction chapter and on page 87 or, no, I'm sorry, 85, it says, if we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. That's just the concluding of step 10. Step 8 and 9 is where the spiritual surgery takes place. It's about ego deflation. It's about knowing that I must do these things or I will go back into the food. I have to have that same desperation. But that for me came through prayer, meditation, and just doing it, taking the action. The other thing I wanted to share is making those first one and two amends it's amazing. A channel became more open inside of me where I could more clearly hear my higher power. And my big book guide encouraged me to put those more challenging, difficult amends like my husband, my father, at the bottom of the list because by the time I began to address those, I would be even more opened up and hearing my higher power. And that is so true. It almost becomes addictive. It feels so good doing these things. It doesn't feel good in many ways. It's very difficult and challenging. And I have to let go of my expectations of wanting people, you know, to have the reaction I want when I'm making the amends. Some people don't want to hear from me, and I need to accept that. So I think, I think that's enough, but it's really through prayer, meditation, reviewing step eight. And then once I make that first approach, getting into my 10 steps, so I can address the character defects that are going to get in my way of doing these amends, you know, and moving forward, the resistance, the balking. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, we have Vasa followed by Amy. Vasa, good morning. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Ovida, calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And step eight and nine, and I remember hearing my sponsor said, we do the steps as they're laid out one by one. And we study and we take action and I practice and more action and practice more action. And, uh, and this is my experience. At the, I remember beginning, at the beginning. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any length for victory over alcohol 
for me with uh, whatever addiction I'm dealing, it's food, you know. And uh, I was ready and I was willing. I'm not saying was I was not afraid at times. Of course I was afraid. But faith uh, works without the faith. I mean, faith without the works is nothing. I needed to ask God to give me the strength, to give me the power like I was given with the food at the beginning. And that was a miracle that I could become abstinent one day at a time one meal at a time, a day or two, not to, I mean, put things in, in my mouth between meals. I mean, that was a miracle, you know. And then, uh, again, I, I was projecting fourth and fifth when I was doing, oh, my God, I'm going to do uh, step eight and nine. And, you know, it's good to have a sponsor to guide us. And she said, you're not even there yet, so just wait and be patient and I started doing my meant to my children at home anyways. I did a daycare for years. And if I did something, I'll say, oh, I'm sorry, honey, I made a mistake, whatever. But anyways, I did, you know, when the time came, I did get the index card, three by five. And then I was willing to put the, the you know, people that I had harmed down and to make amends plus and minus. And I needed to go over with my sponsor before I started really, really making amends. And then we sat and we went through the cards and, you know, we decided. And there was places, I'll wrap it up, there were places I didn't have to make amends because they were, I was doing judging in my head. They didn't know I was doing that. But anyways, it's a, oh, I know, it, there's just so much time to spend into step eight and nine but we only have two minutes, three minutes. So it's the most healing steps. All of them are great. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Vasa. Good morning, Baltimore. Hey, Amy. Hey, Larry. It's Amy G. from Maryland and actually in Myrtle Beach. Can you hear me okay? I'm out. I can way. hear you. Good morning. Awesome. Thanks so much for your service. Thank everyone for an awesome meeting. So when they put things in italics, I really feel like they're trying to shout out to the world here, this is really, really important. Remember, we agreed that we were going to go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. And for me, by the time I'd gotten to steps eight and nine, you know, I had started this work in progress. And, um, you know, the world didn't open up and I didn't fall into a hole when I did step five. And I started turning my you know, my fifth step over to a sponsor, and it was like, wow, this is something. And by the time I get through six and seven, looking at my care defects, and then eight and nine, and then this list, you know, for me, I was on a roll, you know. It talks about accumulating this debris. Boy, did I feel like I had debris that I wanted up and out. You know, I wanted to be able to have the freedom and the serenity that I saw in recovered people's eyes when I looked at them in meetings and they had done this step. Was it scary? Absolutely it was scary. But by now I was firmly entrenched with a home group. You know, I had a sponsor. I had guidance. I had a fellowship. I had a relationship with a higher power that I was starting to develop. And I thought to myself, I want those promises. And I started to understand as well that this disease, there's so much more than meets the mouth. If you excuse the pun, there was debris. You know, it talks about it on page 82. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. 
that's exactly what I had done. I thought, who, me? You know, 22, you know, I was single, I'm not married, I was living at home, okay, so I make amends for my mom and dad, you know, who else was there? Well, it turns out, when I really looked at that list, there was quite a few things, people, institutions, that I needed to make amends to, financial amends, absolutely. And there were things that I knew that if I could get to the other side of it, you know, I was going to get to the promises. And this is serious stuff because, I mean, look, we're going to spend, what, three pages on this, on these two steps about how to go about make amends, how we do it, if we do. I mean, these are things I needed to work closely with my sponsor on. But then we get to page 83, and it says if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we are halfway through. And the part that I love is we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. If you want to hear the we're here the rest of it, go to page eighty three, eighty three and eighty four and read it. I wanted those promises and I was willing to go to any length to do it. It doesn't mean I wasn't scared, but I was no longer alone. I have this fellowship and it was worth it. Oh my gosh, folks, it was so worth it. Come along with us. Let's join us. Join us. And with that I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Amy. Okay, we're on page seventy six, the third paragraph. Who else want, would like to share? Nessa R. Nessa. Deb W. Sigrid. Sigrid F. Leon B. Deb W. Deb. Okay, I got Deb. And was it um Sigrid? Did I get? Did I botch that? It's close enough. Starts with an S, not a Z, but you got it. Oh, Sigrid. Okay, <laughs> thank you. And I got Leon, and who else? A couple more, maybe. Lauren Russ A. A. Lauren and Russ, how about we stop with that for now? Okay, I have Nessa followed by Deb. Good morning, Nessa. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Uh, Pray for the willingness, but don't pray for too long because the promises come as a result of action. You know, they will materialize if we work for them. It doesn't say they'll materialize if we pray for them. So action is the main thing, you know, not praying for the willingness to be willing to be willing. And um, I learned that the hard way because, you know, the toughest amend I had to make was to my father. Um, and, uh, you know, because he, he got involved with someone whom I didn't approve of. And, of course, you know, I'm the judge and jury over who he should be involved with. And, um, you know, it's... I, I tarried, I don't know, two, three, four years since I, I did my steps four, five, six, and seven um, to make those amends, and then my father passed away suddenly. And I ended up making amends to, to her, um, which, was, um, which was very difficult, but, but it was extremely rewarding. You know, and I learned that, you know, arrogance and full pride breed low self-esteem, and the opposite also holds true, that humility uh, breeds um, good self-esteem because self-esteem comes from doing esteemable things. And there's very few things that are more esteemable than um, righting the wrongs of the past. And, you know, I know that I hid behind the smokescreen of praying for the willingness. So we do, we do pray for the willingness, but at some point, we just got to say, you know what, willingness, schmillingness, and, 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 and go do what we need to do because, you know, our recovery um, hangs on the balance. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. 
Thanks, Nessa. Okay, we have Deb W followed by Figrid. Where the wind comes sweeping down the Hey Deb. Hey, hey Larry. <laughs> you must have drank the coffee already. This is Deb W recovered in Oklahoma. And um the the word uh, that uh kind of gets my eyes this morning is the word is subjected. It said we subjected ourselves to a drastic self appraisal. And when I look up the word subjected, it's just like uh we're you know, where it, it had the word terrifying. And I, I don't know, but I think that maybe the terrifying is attached to this drastic, you know, but in the word subjected, you know, in my mind, also it's just we're opening ourselves to this work, you know. It's a, it's It seems as though it's going to be a terrifying ordeal. Um, but then I, I dug a little further, and along this side, terrifying is apprehensive, you know. Now, why it's set together, I don't know. But apprehensive holds um, a definition of anxious or fearful, that something bad or unpleasant will happen. Well, there we go. You know, that's why I lived my life uh, the way I did. That's why I turned to uh, a... Um, an addiction because of the fear of that unfinished business inside of me that somebody would see it, they would find out about it. And in in all honesty, it's just the perception that it's, this is going to be this way. I'm not saying everybody will uh, hold you and say, oh, don't worry about it, kid, go on about your business. But it isn't them that we're trying to help, it's us. It's every time I think about Sally, whoever Sally is, I get this fear inside. Or every time I think about Larry, I remember something that I did harmful. So in this 2018 year, that could have happened way back in 2001. But that attachment to that fear is, could be terrifying. But that is not every story. So it doesn't mean the end result is terrifying. It just means my perception, my idea. And isn't that what keeps us all stuck, our old ideas that, you know, this time, at this time people are still holding grudges that, you know, happened years ago? Most of mine, they didn't even remember why I'm asking them, you know, for this forgiveness um, or this apology. So. My, I just want to say, and I need to uh, wind it up, is don't assume. this. The way the book, the paragraph reads is that we need to be prepared to do this, but don't assume the outcome. This is a spiritual thing. So God is with us in this. So anyway, with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Deb. Okay, we have Figred followed by Leon. Figred, good morning. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, everybody. This is Sigrid from South Florida, Sigrid F. from South Florida. I wanted to share today on the amends to my mom, which, you know, uh, okay, so when I was a teenager, my older brother committed suicide, and my mother, and my father for that matter, but my mother was the caregiver, so they basically checked out for two years. My mother cried for two years, and here I was a teenager, um, 
thinking I was a whole lot more grown up than I was. And at any rate, I held the resentment for, I'm 53, so a long, long, long time, even though I knew I came to understand over time before OA that she had done the best she could. And when I came to OA and I went through the steps the first time and I did my first amends to my mother, I knew it couldn't be in person. I, she is living, but I knew that it would hurt her so very much. And uh, so I, I did make the decision to make my amends um, in a different way and through a letter. And I did get some recovery, but months later, I came to realize that it, I wasn't done, that it wasn't done. Um, and, you know, as is with so many things in this program for me, God reveals to me over time um, what I otherwise would never have seen. And when I went through this step a second time, I don't know if I was more willing, if God had given me new ways of thinking about things that are painful, but I, I got recovery. I finally got recovery. I no longer am afraid to call my mother or, or don't want to call my mother. I want to call her. I want to be a part of her life. How many years I shut her out um, so cruelly, you know, I really had to look at. And I'm so grateful now that I'm no longer resentful. And I have this program to thank and my higher power to thank and all of you. So wishing you all a great day and I'll pass. Thanks so much, Figured. Reservation for Leon, calling Leon. Good morning, Leon. Good morning. Um, hi, this is Leon, recovered compulsive overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Um, I just want to say, um, just reading through this and listening to all the shares this morning, what stands out most for me was um, to repair the damage done in the past. And I echo the, the very first caller, whom I adore dearly. Um, I cannot say enough about the importance of having a good sponsor for this. My sponsor had me write out my amends, and then I read them to him before I even um, talked to to my family and friends. He would make a few tweaks here and there, you know, and just little small questions like asking, is there anything else I need to think about, or do you have any resentment I need to make amends for? And um, and when I started this, I started with my wife, and, and I answered those questions, and and she was like, no, just be the best person that you can, get better. And I thought to myself, I just, she just wants me to recover. And, and then, then she ended with, well, please watch how you talk to me. And I remember my sponsor never, you know, reacting, but just, you know, saying to, to whomever I was speaking with, thank you for sharing that. Let me think about that, you know, before I make any kind of response. Um, and then when I asked this with my older sons, and I shared this before on the vision for you, when I asked my older sons, do they have any resentments I needed to make amends for? I have four kids, and my two older sons, you know, he felt like everything that he had went through as a child made him who he is today. But he did say the one thing you never did was, was hug me enough. You know, something simple as a hug he missed out on for, for 24 years, or he felt like I didn't give him enough hugs. And my other son is 23, told me, you know, Daddy, I don't have no time. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 you know, just let, let's hear it. And he went through a list of things that probably took about an hour, you know, but what really, um, what really got to be the most when he asked me, you know, why did you beat me for eating your Oreos and cut me deep? And I had really had no response. I apologized. And 
and beg his forgiveness, ask his forgiveness. And um, I told him that I would you know, be a better me. And um, and I shared all this with my sponsor, the, the responses from my wife, the responses from my children. And my sponsor's response was weird. He was like, oh, great. He said, doesn't that feel good? And I was saying to myself, is this guy crazy? Because it didn't feel good. It, it, it hurt at the time. But I realized someone mentioned also, and I end with this, that this is a good healing step, and it is, because now I hug my older boy. He's 24. We, we hug each other in passing. My other son, who's 23, he and I, we're having a more meaningful relationship. We're getting closer. I'm so thankful for the living amends I make daily. We're trying to be the best husband. And um, to my wife and to my six- and seven-year-old, they're getting a new dad every day, and I pass with that. Thanks so much, Leon. So we have Lauren followed by Russ. Hey, Lauren. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you. Uh, this is Lauren A. in Minnesota, um, and I'm working on this step with my sponsor right now. And I'm just—I've been going along with all these steps in the book. I redid all the steps on one particular issue, so that's where I am. And what I want to share is I started in AA over 30 years ago, and I went to treatment, and there was a guy there who said, I don't want to do this ninth step. I don't want to have anything to do with it. There's stuff, but I'm not talking to these people. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be like him because he was in his 50s and in treatment again. And I thought, that guy's a big loser, and I don't want to be like that. Well, now I'm a lot older than that. And I went through step Steps eight and nine in AA, and I was able to stay sober, but I sure had the bedevilments going on all these years. You know, um, I was having trouble with personal relationships, couldn't control my emotional nature, was a prey to misery and depression, couldn't make a living, had a feeling of usefulness, was full of fear, and was unhappy, couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Well, not long after I got sober, I realized that I... Um, had a food problem too. So I went into OA and out and in and out and in and out. And I had those bedevilments going on the whole time. Well, recently I got into vision, went through all the steps with my sponsor, and I did some nine steps that I've been thinking about for years and just sort of put them aside saying, oh, it's no big deal. Well, I think it probably was a big deal because I couldn't stay abstinent from the foods I'm not supposed to be eating, and I had the bedevilments going on. So I went through all my amends, and then my sponsor said, you know, I think there's something else you need to talk about. So I did a did a fourth and fifth on that, and it wasn't one that really, it required living amends. And then there was one person that she brought up again and said, you know, I think this is something you need to look at again. So that's what I'm, I'm going through all 12 steps on that person. And I am getting the promises rather than the bedevilments now. And I'm just, I'm just so um, grateful to be, to be in a vision for you. And again, I'm staying home because I have a bad back, but that's okay. Um, I'm on the line for a change. And thanks, everybody. I'll pass. Thanks so much, Lauren. Now batting for Philadelphia, shortstop, Russ M. Russ M. Good morning, Russ. Yoda. Shortstop, I don't know about maybe backstop. <laughs> um, good morning, everyone. Russ M, recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So this amends process is like, the, I, I don't want to say painful. It's probably the most challenging, yet the most rewarding, healing, and beautiful. You know, 
I, I can't say that I was fearful to to you know to go through with my amendments because most of the time I'm always talking anyway. But it was a matter of focusing, saying what I need to say, not be emotional. And they started popping off, start going well. You know, a couple weren't that great, but I, I didn't, I couldn't react. You know, I had to just say what I had to say, clean it up, and roll. Now, going through my uncle, well, my wife first, my uncle, my mother-in-law. Then when we hit the kids, it's like that was a game changer. Because, you know, my guys are under 16 and under. And it's like they're, they're, they're really defenseless because they're just trying to grab what's going on in the world, just trying to survive. And to go through them one by one was one of the most beautiful things ever. And, you know, being able to just recognize. I, I think when, when, I, when I shared this with everyone that I needed to do these amends with, it gives me that awareness that, these things are going to crop up again. You have the steps to take care of it. And, uh, you know, you can be free if you continue to use this. The best part of the whole thing is, is that last night, you know, I'm thinking of this as everybody's talking. Midnight, I got three kids belting it out, singing. My son is dancing. I'm, I'm dancing with them in the kitchen at midnight. And we're just crapping our pants, peeing our pants, laughing and sharing joy, which I don't know if I could have done, you know, if I didn't go through these mess, you know, these amendments. So it's really a beautiful thing. It's worth the work. And, you know, you, we all we all get through it. God has a plan. So thank you. Love y'all. Peace. Thanks, Russ. Well, we got time for a couple more shares, I think, if we keep them relatively sure. Who would like those spots? Katie G from Boston, please. Katie. Deborah M. And Deborah. Let's let's go with that. Hey, Katie. <laughs> Hello, Larry. All right, wait a sec. Katie G recovered in Boston. And I guess I love hearing all you guys. That's not I guess. Um, I think the thing that's really profound for me um, about step theta nine that is for me to think about is the difference between an apology and an amend. And so that I could have a deeper experience with this thought today, I looked up the word apology, and <clears throat> it's just an admission of error, discourtesy, um, an expression of regret. Um, <clears throat> it could even be something that's said or written to defend something that other people criticize. Whoa. Okay, so we're not going around saying I'm sorry. And that was such a shift for me, because I'm the I'm sorry girl. Especially if you tell me, oh, you made me mad. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not what we're talking about. What amends are is so different and so much deeper. Um, it is about change. It is about, hey, I, in this, in, in this marriage, I have been controlling and I have been unkind. And these are the ways I have done that. And I deeply regret my behavior. And this behavior has nothing to do with you. And there's nothing you could have done and nothing you could have said to change this behavior because I am the one at fault. And I am the fearful person. And this is my plan to change. And then I open myself and I say, is that everything? What else have I done? How did this make you feel? Right? So this isn't about... I'm sorry, dude. And then the hardest part 
is not doing it again, right? Because I can't make amends for amends for amends. So my, my, I beg of you, if you're sitting here wondering, pontificating on your list, and you're not there, don't go there. Don't go there. Because to ma- have to make an amends for an amends for an amends, it's so complicated. And we don't want to do that, right? So I have gotten and continue to get wonderful spiritual feedback on how to approach someone, on, on what to say, on when to say it, how not to, you know, bulldoze people. Because I tried to make amends to my mother for three years, and guess what? She wouldn't let me. And I was furious, okay? But it's not about her. It's not, it's not about me. Like, it's not about, <clears throat> excuse me, me racing to the finish line so KDG gets the graduate degree, right? It's not about that. I need to be willing, and then I need to be considerate enough of my mother and her availability, spiritually, physically, mentally, whatever, to accept it. It's a long period of reconstruction, and there are many people that I'm still walking out of the woods with, and that's the way it goes, right? So I can just commit to being willing to be the best KDG for today, and I'm going to keep showing up with that I do pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay, Deborah, you can close us out. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're coming through great. Okay, great. Um, I just hope this is an encouragement for somebody. I have um, been recovered in western New York, but there was one amends that I didn't even know if it was necessary. It just happened actually two weeks ago. Um, There was a restaurant that I went to with um, my boyfriend at the time, and him and his family went out and did not pay for the check. And I had given money to a charity. But every time I would drive by this restaurant on the way to work, I'd have this little marble running through my head. You know, it was probably $15 at the most back there. And I'm not sure if this is really something I should do. I gave money to charity. But my sponsor, thank God, said, no, you know, maybe we should, you should go in. So I went into the restaurant, new owners, went to the tax office checked out who owned it, found out that they owned two other restaurants the family did. So I drove out to one of the restaurants that they currently owed, wrote a letter because you know, I wasn't able to get in touch with the owners at the time. Um, he, had, he was older. I thought maybe he would pass away, but the family was still alive. Left a letter with some money. About two days later, three days later, I got a call from the owner's son and uh, was shocked, surprised, and said he had read the letter to his father who was in the hospital. And his father said, don't you take a dime from her. You sent her a gift certificate. I said, you know, I went back and forth, no, please. He said, no, it'll make my father happy. So sure enough, I received a small gift certificate, actually about 10 days ago. And then I had heard within about 48 hours, the owner of the restaurant passed away. He had been in the hospital. The son said he was a good, he had a long life, and he was a good man. Um, but he he read the letter and was so touched. And he said, is this a 12-step program you're in? The son, I said, yes. And we talked a little bit about the 12-step. Well, they got out in my family what I did. I mentioned it to somebody, and it went around the family. And it touched my own family so deeply. It was such a spiritual experience. I don't know what happened in the unseen realm in God's world, but I do know that little marble that was rolling around in my head 
when I took action, it had a profound effect. And so I just want to encourage anybody, um, just follow, take actions. And what God does with the actions, they're amazing. And I, we, we never know, but we're just doing it because it's the next right thing to do. So thank you. I'll pass. Oh, Deborah, thanks. What a cool story. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And uh, let me give you the share ID for today, June 22nd, 2018. That share ID is 11,573, 11573. So we'll close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Jeanette, are you there to read for us? I am. Can you hear me? You can. You're coming through great. Thanks. So our book is meant to be subjective, suggestive only. We realize only a little. God will continuously disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.